Hello and welcome everybody to Cameras or Whatever. And we've got Nuno Silva joining us today, who is an um, old friend of both Cameron and I. Hi, Nuno. Hello. Thanks Hi, for having Nuno. me. Nuno's worked with both of us at uh, iStock Photo and at Stocksy, and he's now the, actually, I don't know your title. Currently, I am the product manager of licensing um, at 500px. He's, you know, he's doing kind of parallel things in the industry that we are. So we all have, I don't know, maybe we all end up having the same opinions about everything because we keep working <laughs> together. But Nuno, you came up with the topic this week. Why don't you describe what you were thinking about? Sure. So it was kind of a weird experience. I was working with um, a group of models and they were all in their uh, early 20s. And I think one of them was like 18. Um, so fairly young. And they started talking about how they decide which photographers to work with. And um, so I'm just kind of overhearing it because makeup was taking forever. And one of them said that she will never work with a photographer unless he's got a, a really great Instagram feed. And uh, then they all started talking about like looking at photographer portfolios and how they judge a photographer and what websites and, you know, models, they, they do a bit of creeping on a photographer, especially for like a TFP or uh, a free shoot because they want to make sure they're going to get uh, a great photographer. And the conclusion of the conversation was that unless a photographer has a kick-ass Instagram feed, they will not give them the time of day. <laughs> yeah. And this kind of blew me away because, uh, you know, I'm a little bit old school. Like I remember the days when we had to used to print out portfolios <laughs> and, uh, you know, in really great photo paper and actually walk them over to somebody and you had to have face-to-face -face meetings and hand wow, them your that's, book. That's really old school. <laughs> it, no, man, it's not that I, old. I was like, going to say we're old school because we had an episode saying that Flickr is great the other day, so maybe we're too <laughs> old school. <laughs> no, this is like not even like, okay, maybe it's like 10 years ago, but still... Uh, <laughs> About five, ten years ago, right. like I actually within remember living to, memory, within living memory, <laughs> within my living memory, I remember going to a client site with like a physical book that cost me like thirty or forty bucks to produce, uh, and I had to leave it with them because that's what you did as a professional commercial photographer. You handed them a book um, of your stuff, and if you wanted an agency or agency rep, you had to do that, and then. Obviously, the internet came around, so you had to have a kick-ass uh, website, like a portfolio site. Um, and then things have now gone to the point where it's an Instagram feed. So are you grouchy old man about this? Like, is that what I'm no. hearing? Is, uh, no. You're, well, you're it just, curmudgeonly about it, or you're just noticing? It's just an observation? Observation and surprise, and this is just the way things are. And it's just... Uh, yeah, it's more kind of like a get with the program. Right. I mean, because otherwise, what are you going to do? You know, yeah. I mean, you can't just it's just, you know, it's it's just like the, the people who came before us in stock. You know, you can't just rest on your laurels and expect things to stay as they are. Mm -hmm. Like you have to keep, you know, adjusting and, and evolving with, you know, the times. I was just surprised that Instagram was the medium. Um, you know, well, that's what kind of took me by surprise. Not by surprise that Instagram is so popular and that people use it. Obviously, there's a huge amount of, uh, of value in Instagram, but that that was the de facto platform uh, for photographers is kind of like an epiphany that everything, all the pieces fell into place, right? Well, I think that's interesting to think about is like, is Instagram special? Because it's not like it's the first time that one platform has really dominated where people are putting their videos, right? Uh this happened before with Facebook and Flickr and I don't know what else model mayhem. 
uh, I don't know. There's all sorts of places that people have gotten really excited about. But I think it's that I think it is different now with Instagram because the numbers have hit this ex like logarithmic enormous um, leaps and bounds every month of how many more people are engaging and becoming part of these communities. Like I'm sure Flickr at its height was nothing compared to the size that Instagram is now, right? Like, well, is, is it something different or is, are we just seeing the same cycle happening again? Well, you just like, for me, I, I wouldn't expect like Facebook has its thing, you know, there's the, there's business pages. Um, so as a photographer, you have your photography business page that kind of makes sense. Um, you know, sites like Flickr and 500 PX, they're, they're photographer based sites all about photography. Um, but then you have Instagram who's got this social popularity that the brands, advertisers, uh, and your mom <laughs> is yeah. using, uh, to discover photographers. And the, the way Instagram was supposed to be used from what I understand was that it was like, shots that are caught in the instant right instant photos that were supposed to be shot with your with your mobile phone um kind of catching candid real moments and it's evolved and well, i don't think instagram has really, even been in control of that early on i was I, I was really curious about that question and i'd tweet about it and see how everybody else felt like you know should you only be posting iphone photos and you know is it dishonest to be using your big camera and i think there was a bit of a debate about it but at this point it is that it just doesn't matter anymore. I mean, you've got Wi-Fi enabled DSLRs and you've got Android cameras. And I think that idea of it having to be instant has kind of just gotten forgotten because it's become the de facto place for your photography. Like this is where you're going to put your photos because it's where everybody is. And I think that's really changed its position that it doesn't need to be instant in the same way that I, th I think it had that expectation earlier on. I think it's also easy. Mm -hmm. it, there's just there's just something that you know you can just flip through a lot of information really quickly, and I think that that's the flavor of the day. You know, everybody wants to be able to to get a wide gamut of the story instantly. Well, and I think you guys might have interesting perspectives about this because you're not necessarily looking at it from I, I, like neither of you are super active on Instagram, right? Like you use it, but it's not a priority for you guys, right? But you well, do both look at other people's Instagrams a lot. Like you both work in the content department of important photo companies. So Cameron, how do you use other people's Instagrams to you know get a perspective on, on their Well, I, th I think that I use it the same way that a lot of brands are using it. I use it to, to find new talent mm -hmm. and also to, to have a sense of where things are either getting stale or, or moving forward. Cause it's, it's usually a good tell. A lot of people I've actually, it's kind of funny cause I've actually been unfollowing lately a lot more people because I, I've been recognizing that they're just on the same tip too long and they're not moving forward and it just gets lame. And so, I mean, I think that I, I use it as, as somewhat of a barometer. How many people do you follow? Do you follow tons of people? Do you search for hashtags? Like, how do you I, use it? I do a lot of hashtag searching for, for sure. Like, that's how I, I try to find new people. Um, I also find people through people. A great example is uh, one of my favorite people I follow is Meredith Adelaide, who's a Stocksy member. And she's a pretty amazing model. You see her in everywhere, actually. Like, I've actually seen her in a lot of... Um, a lot of other photographers' portfolios, be it stock or art, and then also in some um, ad work. 
And it's just sometimes it's a surprise and other times it's not. But then, you know, she works with so many different people and she'll post their photos of her on her account. Mm -hmm. So that way I get to see these new photographers, find out about these new photographers and then follow them if I feel like I need to. And how do you look at it? You know, would you hire a photographer based on their Instagram feed or would you not hire them based on the, the lack of their feed? For me, Instagram has been kind of this constantly evolving platform where it started out kind of like a, a social network, like a, a friends and people that I actually knew, um, kind of like a an abridged version of Facebook. I'm becoming a fan of certain photographers and I'm sort of following their adventures. Like I, I really like these um, adventurer photographers. I don't have a better name for for them, but these guys that are just uh, constantly traveling around. It's a fair and, name. And I love it. Uh, so that's that's how I use it. Um, to be honest, I'm still kind of wrapping my head around the, you know, like I understand the the Insta fame and and all that, but um, for me, like there's still a mix of personal and professional. And I think a lot of professional photographers maybe they have like two different feeds where they have the f- pics of their kids uh, on one feed and then their DSLR photos on another. And that came up in that original conversation with those models: is how are you? filtering this out like if you if you went to my instagram feed now it's you know maybe 80 percent of the shots are of my kid um taken with my phone that that's in no way any reflection of my photography but um that's how i use the the medium right now well here's an observation i have i i I don't know if it's a popular one and probably not the right thing to say on a show that is targeted at photographers but i've found that generally established working photographers have worse feeds or are less invested in their Instagram feeds than many of the young people that just dive in. And this is a lot of who I think about in this conversation. Probably what I want to talk the most about is these like kids that are, they're not, they're not always young, but you know, they are not photographers. They just have an iPhone and they start taking amazing photos and they figure out how to use filters in the right ways. And they understand composition and they start creating amazing work. And that's, often where I see the best feeds, people that have grown up shooting for clients with large, expensive cameras and studios, I see a lot less of them fully embracing the platform and, um, you know, committing to, to, to really building a beautiful Instagram feed. Am I crazy? Did I just make any enemies? No, you, you hit the nail on the head with yeah, me. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly my problem is, uh, I've, I'm kind of, Maybe I am old. Holy shit. Uh, like, exactly. <laughs> I told you. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm used to doing something one way. I'm used to a certain, uh, uh, certain medium. And um, it's taken me a while to, to understand that I need to move some of my DSLR shots uh, onto Instagram. I should be using Instagram more. Um, for me, it's, it's, more, it's harder to move my professional camera shots onto Instagram um, but there's these photographers, this new blood that's out there that's just shooting with iPhones, just mobile photography. And for these guys, it's it's native. And I think for professional photographers that are shooting, you know, film or big heavy DS, digital DSLRs, like it's a uh, it's a lot harder of a path to put that stuff on Instagram. Mm-hmm. It's slow. I've been planning on getting a Wi-Fi enabled DSLR this year for both Anya and I to be able to instant post from an SLR. I think it's it's too bad it hasn't hit any of the mainstream canons yet. I really hope it would be on the 5D Mark IV, but it's going to be necessary. Whatever the next SLR we buy is, it will have to have Wi-Fi because 
I want to be able to post from the field and from an event. And there's all these times that I'll end up shooting with my iPhone and my big camera, the same photo, but all that anybody sees is the phone camera because I already posted it. So then by the time I've got everything else downloaded, it's like, well, what's the point in posting any of these 5D photos? Because I already, I already blew it. Yeah, these guys that are shooting with the, the iPhones and making a name for themselves, um, it is essentially because of Instagram. And I don't know if Instagram is going to be around in another year or two. Like maybe something else is going to come and the early adopters uh, are all going to move over to that platform. But I think the bottom line is that an online kind of feed thing is the way to go. So investing in the Wi-Fi on DSLRs is probably what you should be doing anyway. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I mean, it'd be nice if you could make it faster. And I just, I think that again, like, I think it's just, that's my issue, especially because I shoot a lot of film again, mm-hmm. you know, so <laughs> my, mine so are film, like, so you need your Wi-Fi to be faster. <laughs> no, I'm just, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I got kind of confused, but like that's, uh, in terms of, of using a d- digital SLR on a job or something, if you wanted to like project what you were doing in that moment and get people excited about it, you know, you'd kind of have to have a Wi-Fi immediately go into your phone and then you could like bump it over to Visco or something like that and right. give it a touch and then upload it and it would be quicker. But. Well, and unfortunately, as of recording, it's still pretty clumsy to do it. You have to go into your Wi-Fi settings in your phone <laughs> first and connect and then blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, on an iPhone anyway, I think what Android is doing is much smarter where because they have the NFC-enabled phones, which Apple has NFC, but you can't do the tap thing, that a lot of Android phones you can tap to download from. I know the Sony support that, I'm sure. I'm sure all the new ones are supporting this, but that would be fantastic. Like not opening any menus up and just touching these two things together and I can instantly post. I haven't tried it yet, but that's how I imagine it works. (laughs) Are you guys, are you actually planning on investing and doubling down on uh, InstaFame anytime soon? Or or do you just think about it and, you know, you'll let everybody else do it? No, I'm pretty sure that, that, you know, from from my perspective, I feel like I've missed the boat on that, you know, because I think that, I, I had already started building up a nice following, and then I fell into that that trap a couple of years ago, where the terms of service trap on Instagram, where everybody that, like, thought, that, you yeah, and like everybody thought, oh, they're going to just start, you know, using our our pictures to license to people, and we're not going to get paid, and that freaked me out, and so I bailed, mm-hmm. and it was premature as hell. Yeah, obviously. that is that is never going to happen. Like I know a lot of photographers get freaked out every time the terms of service change at all. But even if they become really aggressive, I am certain they're not going to open up a stock photo site and, you know, well, shit happens. And then the, you know, there's usually a big uproar and everybody leaves like what Flickr did with the creative Commons stuff um, where they were selling prints. And um, yeah, that one was pretty bad. Shit happens. Things, Mm -hmm. people try to push things a certain way and you know, the, the masses will, will revolt. Right. And, um, yeah, well, for me, yeah, for some, we have people like Cameron to get pissed off. So, for me, I, I I've kind of missed the boat too. Uh, same as Cameron, I, like I don't. Um, there's a lot. Maybe I'm just looking at this generation of iPhone photographers, and I'm absolutely jealous of uh, <laughs> yeah. of their raw talent. Like these photos are just absolutely amazing. And um, mm-hmm. and then you hear the story, and it's like, yeah, I've been shooting for two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and like I'm already producing work that that you don't, you're not capable of producing. And this major company is now sponsoring my (laughs) cross-country tour. Yeah. Well, and that's how this works. So 
okay, this is this is the survey of successful Instagram people that I have spoken to, which has become more and more like as as we've traveled. Um, Anya and I've kind of made a point to meet up with people on Instagram. Like we'll message people that we already follow. We're like, Hey, we love your work. We're going to the city you live in. Let's grab coffee. So I've had a chance to talk to them more. And what, uh, the way you can basically build a business as just being an Instagram photographer is through sponsorship. So you will either receive a bunch of free stuff or you'll, uh, be paid directly to participate in things that brands ask you to do. So a uh, common one is tourism, like uh, travel companies will pay to have an Instagram photographer show up and take great pictures of their town or their country or whatever, and use specific hashtags. And that's become pretty common or events will pay people to be there or clothing companies will pay for a specific post. It's like, um, I guess it's what's happening with a lot of online advertising. This is the same stuff that's happening on YouTube and in blog posts and everything else. But people can build, because Instagram is so prominent, people can build a career within that ecosystem just using Instagram. And it's it's pretty amazing. It is amazing. Do you, Would you do, still need a website for to move a little bit beyond that? Like if I'm looking for a way to contact somebody, wouldn't it be just easier to have a website that I can click to from your profile and then get your phone number or your email? I think you always need a website and it doesn't really, the content on your website doesn't have to be the best content everywhere. It just has to be a home for you that you're driving people to forever. So that that's the link on your Instagram profile right now. Well, Instagram's popular, but then next year when Megagram comes out and everybody jumps ship and goes to this new platform, you're still linking to tylerstallman.com or camerawhitman.com and everybody is coming to you. Those links stay alive, right? Because if Instagram goes away or completely changes how they work or they change their terms of service so that you're not willing to use them anymore, then all of a sudden all this investment is worthless, right? So... I think you do, but I don't know if you need to be just as active everywhere that you are. I mean, I'm sur- I, no, I hope not because I'm not very active. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's it's not just Instagram. Like I think Tumblr had had quite a bit of fame, but not not as big as Instagram. That's for sure. Yeah, I um, think Tumblr Tum- has like circles. Like people use it. It's just not us, I guess. I use it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But Cameron I use uses it. it. I use it to to you know, show off other people, right? Not myself. So. That's like, that's what's held me back with Tumblr is that it's the kind of tool that does so many things I couldn't choose which thing to do with it. Does that All make right, sense? So, so as a photographer right now, where would you invest your time? Are you going to invest it in Instagram, on a website, on Facebook? Like, have we concluded that Instagram is the thing now if I want to become a famous photographer? I think so. I'm not entirely convinced. I think that it depends on the kind of photographer you want to be. Because I think that like the 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 people who are, seem to be most popular on Instagram have like a, a style that there's a little there's a, a connectivity to all of them. They all kind of like have a brand that that is relatable. And so like I, that's what kind of worries me about it is that like I feel like most of the people that I know about at least that are extremely successful on Instagram have something familiar about their styles. Are you saying that like everybody on Instagram looks the same or people will start just posting things that develop into like one similar style that looks the same, unique to that person? Whether or not they're doing it intentionally or accidentally, I think that 
I think it's the same with any kind of a, a community with photography. Like people start to to do the same things, like whether or not they realize it or not. Yeah, well, and we see that on 500px all the time, right? And I think um, maybe even on Stocksy too, oh, and absolutely. even on iStock, yeah. you get a photography community, and, and a trend starts to evolve, and, and everybody starts going towards that trend, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, I feel like, and obviously, I don't know all of the major players on Instagram. I just know the ones that I'm aware of, right? But within that context, I feel like a lot of them have very similar looking styles. Um, And I I think it's also true with specific brands like weddings, you know, there's a flavor that's, that's popular right now. And you see a lot of that. And then after a while it starts to to look kind of tired. So I can come up with a bit of a theory of the similarity of Instagram photos because they are all relatively small and they're square. Certain compositions lend themselves very well to that. Um, because you don't have a wider aspect ratio, you're going to center things a lot more often. Like it's, it's not the same to put something off center in a square photo as it is in a rectangular photo. Things need to look better at the, at a very small icon. So like a really dramatic, almost contrasty composition. What, I mean, the main thing you see honestly is like small people standing in the middle of a big landscape. Like that, that's one of those things that is an Instagram thing. Like very blunt compositions. This thing is in the middle and there's some texture surrounding it. And I don't know, maybe that's why. Because Which it, is also, I think, a, a consequence or, or a result of using that specific camera, the iPhone, mm-hmm. for instance. You oh, only yeah, have that one focal length. So I think that, you know, once people have really figured out, well, man, this, this type of composition really works for this camera you know, for this focal length. And then, you know, it makes that focal length really popular. So, but if you don't shoot this stuff, does that mean you're, you're not a good photographer? Does that mean that that model, uh, you know, walks away from you because, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because I mean, your, your stuff doesn't look good on this. <laughs> I think that's really the wrong way to look at it because yeah. no matter what you're doing or what anybody else is doing, whatever's popular today is not going to be popular in two years. Yeah. So I think that the answer to this question is that it seems kind of more like a crapshoot and a bit of luck. As long as you're true to your own artistic self and you stick with it and you believe in it, other people are going to gravitate towards that eventually, or they're not. Well, here's another element to Instagram that isn't the same as photography portfolios, is that it's not only meant to be measured by the photography. A lot of people will be successful or, say, professional Instagram photographers because of the story that they're telling and not because the images are completely unique. So style bloggers, for example, so this somewhat covers Anya's Instagram and why she's found success in it is that a lot of the photos she'll have, she'll be following common themes that are already established. Like a popular hashtag is from where I stand, which is a picture of your feet, wherever you are. Right. But in the context of a style photo, then the shoes and the pants matter, right? Like it's not just about finding a unique composition. It's like, it's like writing a haiku, right? There's a predefined format that this is going to fall in and you don't need to deviate from it. It's about what you did with that format. Um, so, it, you know, it's, it's not that you took a really unique perspective of an espresso it's that people are actually interested that that's the coffee shop that you went to or that right now you're in new york or that you know whatever like it's also the story not just the image going from there though tyler like with with anya like how 
how do these guys get the fame that they get? Is it a crapshoot? Is it like a lottery? Is it? Is there a certain in a way it's a lottery? The madness. A lot of the people that I've talked to in this situation have been featured by Instagram. So the Instagram staff, I mean, they're they kind of just they're like haymakers. They uh, <laughs> they can turn you into an Insta celebrity by featuring you. So you become a recommend. This and this is what happened to Anya. So she became a recommended user for a month where when everybody signs up, they're like, Hey, you might enjoy these, these people. And she was one of them. And so thousands of of users start coming in and we're going to have an interview in just a little bit with Chris, who was in the same situation. He has tons of followers now and it came through the same thing. I've talked, talked to people over and over. This is a pretty common theme is that Instagram will recognize that you're committed to posting often and keeping the quality of your work at a certain level. And then they start pushing you out to all of the Instagram community. Yeah. I'm just looking at some stats here in 2014, they had 300 million active users last year. That's not even just the number of you like signups or whatever. That's the people that kept coming back day after day, Mm -hmm. the daily active users with 300 million. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, kind of becoming how a lot of people use Facebook without knowing it. <laughs> uh, like this may, this may be the place that all of Facebook's growth happens for a while. Yeah. Well, in, in Facebook too, like going back to this conversation with these models, um, they're, they're going off Facebook because the, it feels dated to them. They, they don't want to be stalked. There's a whole personal kind of depth to Facebook that, that they're not comfortable with. And they're much more comfortable with this, sort of instant feed, this Instagram kind of feed, I guess we're even Snapchat's taking it to, to a whole nother level yeah. of, of and somewhat anonymous um, media communication. And um, well, that- really strong point for Instagram to me and that Snapchat plays on this even more is that there's a really low cost to engagement. So on Facebook, when you like something, you have to be aware that that is probably going to show up on everybody else's feed that you know. Or if you comment on something or if you – every small action you take can have large repercussions with everybody else you interact with, whereas a like on Instagram costs absolutely nothing. You know, Nobody may see that you liked it. You can like every single image in your feed and there's no – it's they're infinite to give without anything happening. Well, it's um, buried in there, right? Like you go to the activity and you can see – who you're following, what they liked and it, but it's, it's buried in there. Right. And yeah, I mean like people could find it, but it's not pushed to them, right? Like it's yeah. a poll situation instead of push. And then Snapchat takes that to the next level where of course things don't survive more than a day. And if you do something stupid, it's going to be forgotten. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what, what the next thing is going to be, uh, what the next evolution and what the, the next haymaker is going to be because yeah, it's yeah. crazy that this one organization has made so many superstars has changed so many lives. Um, like our background working at iStock, you know, iStock did that to photographers, like people that were soccer moms or were just, you know, disenfranchised youth. All, right. all of a sudden we, yeah. we had a, we had a, a job. We, yeah. we had a profession. Yeah, totally. Well, and I can uh, relate to being made by the company too. Like really early on at iStock, I had an image featured as image of the week. And that photo forever after sold really well. And from that date on, my account was successful. 
Yeah. Well, and we see that at uh, at 500 px all the time. Like some news agency will pick up a photographer, and that photographer goes viral. It gets on Reddit, and the next thing you know, they're you know they're selling ten thousand uh, dollar licenses. And I think with Stocksy the same way. You guys are making superstars over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, people that had really good social. Like when I was at Stocksy, I remember people had really good uh, social media feeds that didn't really even think of selling their photos ever are really, really talented and are doing really, really well professionally. I think it's interesting speaking to a lot of these people that have done well with social media photography, haven't considered the licensing angle. A lot of them don't, they don't really think about it until you maybe ask like Cameron, I know you've direct messaged numerous people and been like, Hey, have you ever thought about uh, selling your work? And I think a lot of them say no, but then it, yeah, they don't know they that they're like, what? Yeah. What does that like, mean? Tell me about this, yeah. this different revenue stream. <laughs> yeah. But the, the, you know, the, the gamble in that is that a lot of these people, if they're, if they're getting jobs from inst- something like Instagram and then, you, you know, you come at them and say, Hey, you know, would you be interested in licensing, licensing your work as stock? It sounds really great at first, but then when they start to, to get involved in it, they realize, oh, well, there's time and effort and work involved in here. <laughs> and it takes a while to, to really see anything evolve from that. It can be ex- extremely successful, but it, it takes a, a lot of persistence and effort. And uh, in some cases, I don't, I don't think that that model appeals quite the same way. Yeah, that's true. It, it can also wear people down a lot. There's a lot more rejection <laughs> and potentially like there's those times that you put in a lot of work and something just doesn't turn out about it or uh, your favorite photos, you can't get a release, things like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's not just really li- frustrating, but it's not just licensing there, right? Like these guys that are um, becoming Insta famous, they're, you know, it's the sponsorships, like you mentioned before, um, it's the commercial assignments and there's a lot of revenue avenues for photographers. Um, I think it's interesting that people get really pissed off about Instagram ads. I, I'm sure you guys have heard this or seen this, that when the now that Instagram's starting to insert ads into your feed, a lot of people get really angry. Like a lot of the comments will just all be trashing the ad, which personally I find very weird that like you're getting a free service and that you're that angry that an ad showed up because this is the internet and that's how the whole internet works. That's the best part about the internet, right? (laughs) (laughs) But it's like this outlet for people to like release their rage. Yeah, totally. But I mean, you know, like I, I definitely recognize that, that, you know, whenever I see an ad, like, you know, like I think I saw a Toyota ad or something today and it, it was so off, you know, it didn't even have the vibe that you, that you'd expect to see. Like when I'm flipping through my feed, you know, I see that this this stuff that oh yeah, that makes sense. I get that. I don't, I don't know. I, I've accidentally liked ads because I was like, nice photo. Oh, whoops. Well, sure, sure. I mean, they're they're trying to go for the, whatever's current, but like today, I saw one that was just so glaringly obvious that it was off. I, I can't imagine actually stopping to like say something about it because it's Instagram. I can flip through that thing in in like a, a fraction of a second. You'd figure they'd be hiring like these Insta famous photographers to shoot their ads. Um, well, so exactly. this is, to be honest, I haven't even I haven't even noticed one yet, and I'm now I'm flipping through my Instagram as we're talking. I don't get them often at all. Trying to find a, a stupid ad, and I, I can't. I don't even remember. Like I've heard of them. I know that they're they're happening, but I maybe I'm missing an update or something. But I haven't actually seen one. I don't even notice it. Well, I think if you're if you're following a lot of people, then it's less likely that you're going to to run into them. I'm not sure exactly sure what the how that the sponsored ads work. I feel like some people get it more often than others. 
But what I'm trying to get to is that people get really pissed off about these paid posts where the company is directly paying Instagram, but they don't get as angry or may not even realize about the sponsored posts for the photographers getting paid to basically insert an ad into their own feed. <laughs> Maybe just because it's more subtle, but... Well, I, I do notice it, right? There's some people I'm following on Instagram, um, and then suddenly their clothes look really, really new. They're <laughs> <Or, laughs> like, wow, those are brand new shoes, buddy, and you've never worn shoes that nice. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, uh, you know, you do notice it, and it, but it, it's whatever. Like, I, I'm actually really happy for those photographers that that they're doing what they love and that somebody's actually paying them to do it. And it's a job that we absolutely love and somebody's uh, stupid enough to pay us for it. So, yeah, I, I, I never like push ill will towards people that are finding success, no matter like what it is, unless they're musicians. And then, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so. well, you guys are both, you're alive in the nineties, right? I think it's really interesting the way Thanks, that Tyler. the sellout <laughs> has not, has no negative connotation anymore. Being a sellout was the worst thing you could do in the 90s. Yeah. And now it's like, yeah, of course we all sell. Like, this is the goal is to get sponsored. I don't know. Like, and I, to get paid I, I, to do the stuff that you do. I guess I guess it really just depends on who you're having the conversation Well, that's with, the thing. Not, you know? not like, us, but like I still talk kids. about sales, sell, sales all the time. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. But, I don't, but no, I don't think teenagers do. Or like 20-somethings. Like, I think it's more and more common that it's just like... Yeah, let's all get paid to uh, just look cool and live Maybe our lives. Maybe that's just because of the age of the internet, though. You know, I think that a lot of the the social media is still, you know, I mean, it's it's in its adolescence now. But it's you also know, become it's, like the norm, though, right? Like these these fabricated bands, these like boy well, bands that are are made in a studio in L.A. Like you just kind of expect it. You're not surprised. Yeah, that but I see a lot of kids like re, you know revolted by that and rebelling against it. Just like we did when we were punks. You know, well, that so. was, yeah, the 90s were rebelling against the 80s and the 80s were rebelling against the 70s. Like it just, you, you kind of rebel over the next decade, right? Like the 80s were so manufactured and then grunge comes along and is distorting everything and everybody's got ripped clothes all of a sudden and they smell bad. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, now that the millennium comes out and everything's uh, auto-tuned, you just... Back and forth, back and forth. Nobody's finding a. And now you're paying a lot media. more money for your ripped jeans. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, because I've been wearing the same pants since the '90s. <laughs> Keep the dream alive, Cameron. I'm fine. <laughs> I just I end up spending all my money on lenses and stuff, so I don't have any money to <laughs> buy that's, nice clothes. That's so punk rock of you. <laughs> uh, I'm not really sure. I think it's just a nerd. Um, I was fortunate enough to have a conversation with. A friend, Chris and Matt, who has been in through all of the stuff that we're talking about. He's only been shooting for a few years and has had massive success on Instagram. His his account is at Chris and Matt, and he is also part of a little collaboration called Great North Co. So first go check those accounts out and flip through the photos while you listen to this interview. Hello, welcome to Cameras or Whatever, Chris. Thank you. Uh, this is uh, Chris Amet, and he is a photographer that is of the the variety that we've been talking about today, which is um, self-made internet star, you know, via Instagram in your case. Yep. Um, let's start off by 
getting to know you a little bit. How did you get started with this? What's how long you've been shooting for first? Okay. So I've been shooting for only about two years. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I've been on Instagram for probably a little less than two and a half years. Um, you can probably fact check that, but <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure you can go back to the records, <laughs> yeah. but, um, but that's okay. And I mean, relatively not that long. No, not at all. Um, I got started because one of my friends told me to get on Instagram and I'm kind of stubborn and, uh, don't really listen. And he kept, he kept hounding me to get on it, to get on this really cool new social network. And I've always been a slow adopter to, um, social media for some reason. I was really behind on Twitter. What Facebook. do you think you were using at the, were, were you on Facebook at the time? Yeah, I was on Facebook and I think I'd just gotten onto Twitter at the time as well. So anyways, I got into Instagram and I, uh, I thought it was just kind of, you know, like a, an app where you applied a crappy looking filter and that was mm -hmm. it, right? Well, I thought they were pretty cool looking at first, but you know, took, Truth took be a while told. to learn. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, um, yeah, I, I, I did it. I got onto it finally. I took my first photo with it and I quite liked it. I liked the process. I am a designer by trade. So editing just kind of felt like an extension of, you know, working in Photoshop and, uh, I really liked the process of it. I really liked the editing process of it. And I just continued from there. And eventually, a couple months down the road, I figured I would invest in my first camera. And so where you are now is that you've built up your personal Instagram account has quite a few followers. And you also have this collaborative thing called Great North Collective that you're doing with right. some friends. And that's become extremely successful. Yes. Um, and... How did those come about? Like you, you were working on your personal for a while. You did this collaboration thing. Like what was the story of when it started to kind of break for you and get bigger and, and get um, found a bigger audience? So how it, it kind of started with, um, my personal account was I got passionate about Here, tell everybody your personal account to make sure okay. they can go. Uh, back. Christopher Amat, uh, A M A T. Yeah. Amat, not a rug. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after I bought my first camera, I got the Canon 60 D started to get more serious with it. I started hanging out with friends that were, were passionate about photography as well. And one day we went to Lake Louise. I had my camera with me. I took a picture of my wife standing at the classic scene of the, right. the lake and the mountains. If you Google stuff. Lake Louise, it's probably one of the first yeah. things you'll yeah. see. Yeah. And there was about 500 tourists right. behind us. Right. You don't see that in the photo. And, uh, it got picked up by Instagram. They featured it as like the best of the week, whatever week that was. I think mm -hmm. that was somewhere around two years ago. And, uh, that just kind of exploded my following base. I think I gained a thousand followers that day and then it just kind of slowly went from there. And I figured, you know what, I'm really enjoying this. Maybe I should step up my game now that I have a little bit of an audience. And then from there, suggested user and really got a really big following from there. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed everything about it. So now, through this success of Instagram, you've, you've started becoming a photographer yes. as well. Like yeah. there seems to be a connection with designers that end up in this situation. A lot of the other people I've seen arrive at really big Instagram accounts were previously either designers or creatives uh, professionally in some way. Do you mm -hmm. think there's, am I crazy? Is there, is there, no, I, there? I completely agree with that. I would say as being a designer in a designer in the web world in the interactive world, you have to stay relevant. Um, you have to be on top of trends. You have to, you know, you're always constantly researching what's new, what's coming out or, you know, what, what's trending in just the design aesthetic. So this combination of like, you're already comfortable with technology on one hand, yeah. then you're also 
comfortable with aesthetics, with uh, yeah. visuals and Photoshop. Yeah. And I think, I think part of the culture of designers and stuff is, you know, having the coolest apps and whatnot. Right. right. And so I think a lot of, a lot of the early adopters of Instagram were people that were working on, on app development or in the design world, interactive design world, and they got into it. And I find a lot of the, uh, the stuff is there's like a minimalism to it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the, the designers are doing a minimalistic approach to it and it seems to really do well on Instagram. And, right. and from there they've just kind of, you know, and now that the, the cameras are more accessible and the filters are more accessible, you can get some of those missing pieces of, of like a more professional look, as long mm-hmm. as you understand what composition is like. Ex- exactly. So I think in the Instagram world, it's worked really well for people. And, um, now when do you, what do you tell people you do when you meet them? Do you say you're a designer or a photographer or, or well, I am a full-time context or, designer, but yeah. so yeah, I say I'm a designer and a photographer, I guess. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> designer slash photographer yeah. instead of the other way. I would prefer to say photographer at this point, but well, and I, I mean, I have a similar background too of that, you know, it was design that crossed over into photography and mm-hmm. became, a bl- it still is a blend of both. Yeah. Well, if you could tell me more about the uh, Great North Collective and how that came about, by the way, to follow that, it's at Great North Collective, is that correct? Great North Co. Oh, okay. At someone else. To- at Great North Co. Um, and you really should follow it if you're listening because it's a great account. So, uh, When I got married, uh, I got David Gunther to shoot my wedding. I didn't know him previously. I just really liked his aesthetic. And uh, my best friend at the time uh, was Mike Siego. Um, he was one of them that got me into cameras and pushed me to get my 60D. And, uh, so he was always out when we were going out and taking pictures and he really helped grow me. Um, my other good friend at the time, Vian got married and decided to hire David as well. While we were at Vian's wedding, David, Mike, and I started talking about Instagram. Um, he had just got off his first run on being a suggested user. So he had like 22,000 followers at the time. Mm-hmm. And that blew us away. Like, how is this possible? Um, so we just got kind of talking about that. He saw our Instagram accounts and kind of what we were doing, the aesthetics that we were doing with it. So one day he just sent us a message saying, hey, let's, uh, let's go out and shoot something cool. I've got an idea. Come down to Lethbridge. He lives in Lethbridge, come down to Lethbridge, um, and, uh, let's talk photos and go shoot something pretty cool. So we did. And this whole idea of great North collective came up basically like showcasing the landscapes of Canada and creating iconic imagery around Canada. You know, you see it through the States and America all the time. There's so many iconic images from America. And and anyone listening that isn't familiar with the geography of where Calgary, Alberta is, uh, we're just beside the Rocky mountains. Um, if you've ever heard of Banff, Banff is a popular tourist area and it's extremely beautiful around here. We're, we're like where the prairies meet the Rocky mountains. And so, um, people come here to take photos. Like there's a lot of tourists because, uh, there's a lot of photography to be had. So, uh, it's, it completely makes sense for you guys to exploit that and yeah, you know, like, turn it into a feed. So it's in our, and then, now how do you decide which things you guys are going to post? Is it sort of a best of your, all of your personal work that you feel like fits the aesthetic or. I would say our success has come from being, you know, very choosy over what our brand is and what our aesthetic is and what we want to showcase. Um, we've kind of kept to a certain look and feel that we want this community to have and to showcase. So, you know, when, when we find imagery, anyone's welcome to 
to be part of it. And that's what we want. We want to build a community. So you just hashtag Great North Collective and we kind of go through it every once in a while and kind of pick out some favorites. You know, if someone likes it, we post it. There's no voting process right. or anything just, like yeah, that. It's just, yeah, we just do it. Um, and it's worked well. And last I looked, I think there was like a hundred, 107,000 photos submitted to that hashtag, which wow. is, it's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. From a, a simple idea, passion project basically cool. turned into this. And, you know, now we're starting to get approached by brands and, you know, having Great North go out and shoot something mm-hmm. for, for a brand, mostly tourism brands, a couple, yeah. um, apparel brands. Well, and how do you see all of this moving forward for you personally and for the, the collective that you guys have started? Um, like what do you see, do you plan to turn it into a business or it'll just be like a fun side project or it'll boost a more traditional photography business? Like how do you look at your future with it? I guess that's a good question. Right. We don't really know. We've always, from the get-go, we kind of said, let's just grow this organically and see how it goes mm-hmm. and then adapt to it. Right. Um, it's been working so far. It's been working. Yeah. It's been working so far. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to that. <laughs> right. We're just kind of going by it. Like, well, it would be great. to follow you and <laughs> yeah. find out yeah. where it goes. Yeah. Um, what about other platforms? Do you Are you active anywhere else, say 500px or Flickr or facebook even i mean or do you guys really just or you personally just look at instagram as your primary outlet i'm active on tumblr Mm -hmm. um facebook not so much twitter like twitter's just kind of somewhere where i direct people to go to my tumblr or my website i've been trying to push traffic towards my website but yeah it's mostly instagram and what's uh, your website hosted on um i host it through squarespace okay yeah yeah same here then uh your tumblr how do you differentiate what is a tumblr post Versus other things. I don't know if I've actually looked at your Tumblr. I'm not sure what's on it. It's uh, it's very similar to what's on my blog. Um, it might be a little bit more tailored to Tumblr. I, I, mm-hmm. It's hard to explain if you don't really know. Like, <laughs> right. But there, there are certain aesthetics for Instagram that people tend to like more. Yeah. And there's certain aesthetics in Tumblr that people tend to like more. Like gifts. As well. Gifts, cats, <laughs> all that nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I try, I try to keep it very... Uh, very coherent. So it, it doesn't feel different throughout my, my, my right. platform. So when somebody gets familiar with you, they kind of know mm-hmm. what to expect. Yeah. But yeah, Instagram is probably my biggest platform for exposure and promoting myself right now. So one thing I think about that, uh, the fact that these platforms are able to really make people's careers, you know, do you worry about if like Instagram stops being the hot thing? Are you hedging your bets by building up a Tumblr following? Is it, are you concerned about building everything in one company's platform. Yeah, I guess that's that's kind of a, ch- a challenge that I'm definitely going to have to look at. I would say that 90% of my work has come through Instagram and it is Instagram based. I'm, you know, I'm getting commissioned to post specifically on on Instagram. So I have been trying to move away from that and and find work that would not be just right. living on a social aspect. Well, it sounds like you're being pretty proactive about it. I'm sure I could talk to other people mm-hmm. in your situation that would say like, no, they're just, they're just doing Instagram. I think yes. that's pretty common, but like you've already said, you're on Tumblr and you have your own personal mm-hmm. blog. I mean, to me, that's what I consider to be the most important step yes. is owning something personally, owning your own domain, something that you can maintain over 30 years yeah. that uh, won't be dependent on anybody else. Yeah. Ideally I'd love all my exposure to come through my website, but, it, but that's it, not, that's not going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's hard. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, there's definitely people that I know that have put all their eggs in the basket of Instagram, but you know, 
I guess coming from a design background, I see the trends are always changing. Mm -hmm. And um, I I feel like it's only a matter of time before Instagram goes away and something newer and better emerges, right? That's just kind of the way that world works. Well, one last thing before you go. What do you think of Snapchat? (laughs) (laughs) It's fun. I know people are commercializing on it. Yeah. I, I can't I, figure out the commercial angle either. on that at all. It does it not make sense yeah. to me. It's it's fun. Yeah, I think it's, it's fun. fun too. Yeah. 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 That's, cool. that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> well, thanks a lot for joining us. Yes. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. So thanks for joining us, Chris. And thanks for that insight. I would love to actually talk to so many more Instagram people. I love hearing the stories. I love hearing the stories about how they were just kind of trying it out and one thing led to another and now they're famous. Yeah, like I think it's <laughs> totally. And reaching an audience like the size of you know, TV shows. <laughs> Did you really always great. want to be a photographer? No, I never even thought about it yeah. until I, I think, bought this phone. <laughs> <laughs> My phone made me do it. Um, I think it's interesting the connection of that. A lot of these people are have been like creatives already, though. That's quite common that like they're uh, illustrators or musicians or uh, designers, like I said, um, really often like people that already wanted to to create like they have that instinct to make things and the phone has now enabled them to make, you know, make it a, make a living off of it or, or just access a community of people that are interested in what they're doing. Which is fantastic. Yeah, it's really great. Like. What photography is, is not going to be the same in 10 years. So hopefully not. I think, yeah. you know, I mean, that's, I think that's what makes it interesting always. It's just that it's always changing. And like it, I find it frustrating that so many photographers that are, you know, I would say just, let's just say like of my generation, you know, that they, they still bother getting angry about these changes, you yeah. know, that they get bothered by like people having, finding great success with their iPhone. You know, I, I find that kind of curious. It's just like, well, I mean, they're creating something. So like, who cares how they do it? Mm-hmm. You know, the only thing that, that, that matters at all is the result. You know, it's not about what you're doing. It's about, or, or how you're doing it. It's about what you're doing. Yeah. So I think that's always going to be the case. And so like forever, if, as long as there's new tools that are becoming available that inspire people to create stuff, that's awesome. And there's no reason to like get bummed out about it. Yeah. Well, and if, if you're seeking, you know, mass success, you, you have to stay relevant. Um, yes. But if you're happy just, you know, staying and doing your own thing, that's great too. But if you're looking for that, that level of popularity, you have to be relevant. You have to be where every, where everybody else is. And but I think that there's another way you can look at this though. And that's, there's the long road and the short road. You know, mm-hmm. I think that a lot of these Instagram famous people might suffer a little bit of of a consequence once this thing passes over, if it does, I could be completely wrong and this could last forever, but like I have a big box of CDs. So, you know, I've experienced things that, that were massively popular at one time and then die. Well, this is one of the big holes in Instagram to me is that it sucks you into just being in that feed, but doesn't push you out. So what I use, Inst- um, sorry, Twitter for instead of Instagram is that it's all about driving people to other things on all over the internet that I'm interested in. Like I read this great article. I watched this cool video. I made this Instagram post, you know, um, mm-hmm. I've launched a new website and, or my friend did, but on Instagram, nobody clicks links. Like you can't drive traffic to other places. I've tried doing it to say promote this podcast for trying to promote 
websites and stuff, it's really hard to get people to take any clicking action that leads you outside of Instagram. It's really insular, which... That's so true. And that's actually, that's, I think that's been kind of one of my disconnects from the logic of how this has actually become such a popular thing from, you know, ad makers. Why Instagram? Where's this leading? Well, it's definitely a, it's definitely a branding thing. If you're investing in Instagram advertising, it's to buy brand awareness, because if you're looking for direct conversion, it's probably not going to go that well. We, we had a meeting, Ani and I, with a, a client once that was really looking for conversion tracking. He's like, you know, am I going to be able to see sales come out of this collaboration that we're going to do? And I want, like, I want to know how many people end up buying stuff from it. And I was just like, sorry, but no, I mean, that's not, that doesn't happen from this. <laughs> it's, um, it's about people becoming just more aware of your brand and they may, may or may not take action from it. But it can be a really powerful way of people just knowing who you are and and registering what you do in their in their consciousness. But it's really hard to get people to click links. Oh, so my point was if there's if there is a next big thing, it's going to be hard to push people to your new thing. Whereas let's say app.net had taken off or I move from Twitter to Tumblr, I can just start tweeting once a week like, hey, everybody, just a reminder, I left Twitter. Come find me over at Tumblr. Well, and then we're going to have another, the next generation of grouchy people who are going to say, well, what's this new thing? I was so happy with this old thing. <laughs> now all these people are on this new thing and this new thing sucks. I was really happy with the way the old thing was working. And then we just, you know, we've come from obviously a place where we had a lot of success and then all of a sudden it just stopped and we had to evolve. We had to move on. We had to go somewhere else. And, um, I think that's going to keep happening. Yeah, I do too. So, Nuno, I'm going to surprise you. I don't know if you've listened to this show to, before, but at the end, we uh, talk about something we're into that isn't necessarily what we just talked about. So, oh, on the spot. Yeah, but the good news is Cameron knows all about this. So, he's, he's had a week to prepare. <laughs> right? <laughs> you want to go first, Cameron? Did I really have a week to prepare? <laughs> I, don't know. I feel like we just recorded yesterday. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, time flies. I can go first. How about I go first? I think you should go first. This will totally date the podcast. We try to make it somewhat timeless so you could listen to this in a year, but uh, the Apple Watch just came out yesterday and I went to immediately play with it because of course I had to. So I'm not going to buy one, I don't think. <laughs> you know, It looks like the first generation of an iPhone. Like yeah. I, and that scares me right away that I'm... It looks like a V1. But you know how well the iPhone turned out. That's that's my main impression of it. Like looking at it, especially up close, um, yeah, you're like, oh, okay, here we go. This is version one, even more than I expected looking at screenshots. I think I was over-optimistic about what they'd be able to do out of the gate. Like physically, the hardware feels so good. Like it, it's such a premium product, but mm -hmm. it's not that fast and as you swipe around, there's a bit of delay. So maybe it's a little underpowered. Um, I know that something like it is going to become important someday. And are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty, well, to me, <laughs> I like, I could see a place for a perfectly functioning. iWatch, Apple watch in my life. If it did everything the way that I imagine it, I need to see it in use. I need to be convinced that it's worth like $500 is going to save me from reaching into my pocket to do yeah. the exact same thing. But you know what? It's not, it's not about the like two seconds to reach into your pocket. It's 
just taking friction away. It's, you know, it's not having to connect to a Wi-Fi network to move photos from your camera to your phone. Like it's those two, those two seconds do end up really making a difference in how you interact with whatever it is. Like it's, um, it's the, it's the reason we probably all use our internal iPhone cameras because you can launch it from the lock screen instead of digging into a folder to find a third party camera. And maybe I'm taking a chance there because you guys might use third party cameras, <laughs> but you know, that, that like one or two seconds to just use the thing that's right in front of you has a really strong influence on your behavior, I think. Right. And I don't want to see more of that. I want to see it actually being used in real life um, to convince me. And I think maybe a couple more ads or something will convince me, but I, <laughs> I think it's going to take a year or two of, hearing really great anecdotes from people that it did work really well for or a year or two of everybody just complaining about how stupid it was and that they never could find a place for it in their life. But, but yeah, now that yeah. it's out, uh, I do, yeah, we are in version one and, uh, we might have to w wait a while for it to become exciting and important. I don't know for me, like I, I, I struggle with, I've always struggled with any kind of jewelry or accessories that I have to wear. You know, I just don't like things on me. It just feels like <laughs> extra weight, which I don't need any more of. And so, I don't know. I just, I, I look at the iWatch and I'm just like, why? But, you know, it could be a Luddite in there. I don't know. Well, yeah, I'm also really too eager to buy tech stuff. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, we're, I think we're two sides of the spectrum here. But I'm gonna I'm gonna wait a little longer. Plus, Anya said she would never be seen with me in public if I wore it. So yes, that was another, <laughs> that was another influencing part of the. I knew I liked her. She yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So who who came up with something first? Well, I I know exactly what I've been <laughs> into all week. It's just I think it's just gonna um, add to my my luddite <laughs> issue <laughs> because I say, you know, like last week I, I said that I, you know, I got that Nikon FM three, a film mm -hmm. camera and I'm enjoying it so far. I haven't actually had a chance to get any of the film developed that I've shot with it, but just toying around with it and feeling it in my hands has been pretty awesome. Um, okay. But that's, that's just leading to me. What I've been obsessing about is that, you know, I've been looking back at all the, uh, the old glass that goes with those. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been looking at all the Nikon AIS lenses and I think that I'm probably going to get myself in a lot of trouble <laughs> because, you know, like I already have, like I have a 35, I have a 50, I have an 85, I have a 105. I don't need these lenses. But you don't. do need these lenses. But like, yeah, I'm like after, you know, cause the, the, the body that I got, the the seller threw in a, a twenty eight no I'm sorry a twenty four millimeter two point eight AIS Nikon lens and the way that this thing feels when you focus it it's like just this metal on metal and it's perfectly smooth and it's really just it feels amazing and I I didn't realize like the difference in in, in the the gear that I've been using since I started. You know, I had a couple, I have a couple older Nikon lenses that are made out of metal and they're even not as sexy as this thing is, you know? So now I'm curious, you know, I'm looking at the 50 millimeter 1.2, I'm looking at the 85 1.4 and like all these things just look so great and I don't need them. I was not and familiar I'm like, with this set of lenses at all, but I'd recently tried a Zeiss, like one of the new manual focus Zeiss lenses. I had mm -hmm. it for a day. 
And that all metal feeling is so good. Is it, was it the Otis? No, 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 not that nice. The, uh, you know, (laughs) the ones just below that. Yeah. Those are also, they're actually, they're, they're very similar in a way. To the Nikons? Yeah. In the way they look and the design style, Mm -hmm. very similar. Yeah. I'm glad things are going in that direction. Like I'm noticing even with a lot of camera manufacturers, like the Fujis and stuff, they're, they're metal. Uh, people are getting away from the plasticky, rubbery uh, feel. Yeah, even yeah, the, it's... the new Sigmas feel a bit more sturdy, I'd say, as well, even though they're less expensive. I'm holding a L-series Canon right now and just thinking about how much plastic there is in it. Like, mm-hmm. how did this ever feel premium? <laughs> <laughs> Back in the day it was, because you compared mm. it to the non-premium, really, really plasticky ones, where the glass was not glass, it was plastic and... Well, the other thing that, that's attracting me to these lenses is that everything is manual, you know, so um, they're smaller. So what about you, Nuno? Do you have something cool? Well, the cool thing, or for me it's cool, um, that I've been getting into lately, it has nothing to do with hardware. Um, I My background, the thing that really got me into photography was actually Photoshop. Um, and what I really liked was uh, sort of surrealist, kind of Photoshop manipulation uh, artwork. Lately, uh, I've actually been following some Instagrammers that do that, like these digital artists, um, and I'm getting back into it. it. It's something that's not necessarily commercially viable, and we come from a stock background, so you're kind of looking for authentic, real images. It's kind of the opposite of that. Maybe this is kind of like my vacation away from work is me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, getting into this digital artwork again and, and really digging it and actually starting to play around with Photoshop and having some fun again. Um, because it's, yeah, like from a design, like Photoshop user perspective, this is where the tool really, um, really kicks some ass, right? It's, it's, you've taken it to a whole nother level. It's not just, uh, color or light manipulation. It's actually manipulating things. Uh, and making them look real. And where are you looking at that? Like, do you, can you shoot me a link to post in the show notes? Yeah. So this guy on Instagram that I've been following, his name, uh, N-O-I-S-7, Noise7. Mm-hmm. Um, big fan of his. Um, there's a guy on 500PX that uh, we've been watching now. His name is Karas Ionet. So that's C-A-R-A-S-I-O-N-U-T. Um, he's, got, he's on a bunch of different platforms too. But um, yeah, so those two guys... Are the two that I've been watching and have been made me want to go back into Photoshop and just start having some fun. Um, that's awesome. It's yeah. great just to feel inspired. I mean, that's, I think that's a parallel to, you know, the way that I feel about shooting film. You know, I just, I see all these other people doing it and it just, it's, I see things that, that make me appreciate it in a, in a way that's different than, than I have been appreciating photography in general. Yeah, and you just you just like it for what it is. Uh, there's nothing deeper than that. That you just you're kind of like, wow, that looks really freaking cool. And and the the more real it looks, the the you know, even though it's a really surreal scene, like if you if you guys are checking out this guy's feed, he's got like a dog floating on like a thousand balloons. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks really real, but you just you know it's a it's a total manipulation. And then. Um, yeah, this girl, Elena, that used to be at iStock, she's got some amazing things on her feed, too. So, yeah, I'll show you the link after the show, and you guys can... Is that Vizerskaya? Uh, yeah, see, how do you pronounce that? I didn't even want to try to pronounce it. <laughs> I mean, that's how I pronounce it. I don't know. <laughs> yes, her. Yeah. yeah so, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, so. she's, she's unbelievable. Right? And I've, I've always been a fan of her stuff, and... Um, 
you know, yeah, she does well. I, I think uh, she's she does a lot of book covers and stuff, but it's it is artwork. It's not commercial photography by any means. So it's no, something it's, that it's totally like it's like stepping inside of her brain, which is freaky. Yeah, no, it's so good because I mean, I think with a lot of that stuff, I think it just I don't know. It's really hard if you compare to her because everything else seems kind of lame. Kind of like her stuff is just so like you feel like you're in in the scene and you know it's completely not real but it's done so well that it that, actually fools you that's exactly what i'm talking about like yeah. total photorealistic uh just surrealistic just takes you to a whole other different reality uh and it's photography and it's just amazing absolutely amazing so yeah usually though with that kind of stuff i like to see like you know, an artist that accomplished artist results rather than like somebody learning. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to show you any of my stuff, but, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, it's just rough, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm nowhere near the, this level, but I, I want to, I want to get there eventually. And, um, the tools are getting so much easier. Like uh, Photoshop, when it first started this to do this stuff was almost impossible. Yeah, well, it, there's a new program coming out, isn't there? That's supposed to rival Photoshop. Oh, really? Yeah. Hold on, I'm going to Google. Who's making this mysterious software? It's um, the free one, right? Uh, I don't know if they get <laughs> Is it GIMP? <laughs> no, there there's one that came out like the new thing and everybody's r raving about it on like petapixel and stuff um but it, it, are you talking about affinity maybe that's it uh so it's called affinity and apparently what you can do i still haven't played with it but you can actually change light sources yes it actually recognizes affinity, uh yeah. three-dimensional things and you can actually point lights at your objects within the photo yeah, it it also it makes all these you know what Photoshop actions that you that you do all the time and that, that you know take time and are difficult mm -hmm. to do some in some cases and it makes it really easy. <laughs> so it feels like cheating, but yeah, I don't know. I I saw a tutorial. I think it was like on Petapixel or something. And and you know I, I was it was really late at night and I was you know trying to get to sleep and I was just fishing around on the internet and I watched this thing and I was just like fuck, I'm done. Like I quit. I quit photography. <laughs> like, if if that's really where we're at, then I quit. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know how much of it is is vaporware, right? Like you remember the content content aware, like the fill tool when the when Photoshop first released that in the tutorials. Yeah, everybody freaked out. <laughs> yeah, and it was like, oh my god, you just like totally replaced a person in the scene, and then you try to do it yourself, and it just works like ten percent of the time. Horrible. <laughs> just disaster why is there grass in the sky and it's just it was bad but uh so yeah i haven't played with affinity yet uh but it's it's yeah it's like it's only 50 bucks so i think they're gonna go in really really cheap to get that early adopter uh audience can i add one more thing i have one more to add is the update to snapseed mm -hmm. have you guys updated yet that looks uh, sick. It's, yeah, looks, I did update, but I haven't actually gotten into it yet. It is going to be moved to the front of my processing apps because Tell me more. now it the, the biggest things are you can do brushes 
with your adjustments. So you used to be able to select a pixel and then all the other pixels that were similar colors would receive that adjustment. But now you can just brush with your finger, um, similar to the, the way that the, the masking feels in Lightroom. And, you know, raise and lower exposure, change saturation, stuff like that. And it also creates layers, much like Photoshop. So you can delete like one layer out of your adjustments instead of just doing undos. The UI has been cleaned up a bit. It's not quite as confusing anymore. And it has a heel brush. It has perspective fixing. It's going to be the one-stop shop for supplement to VSEO for me. So uh, I'll, I'll still use Visco for colors, but the image correction stuff or, you know, removing blemishes, um, you know, the, the, the detailed work, kind of the Photoshop work will mm. probably be happening in Snapseed for me now. It's, well, this is really amazing, right? Because uh, so Photoshop and Lightroom are going on mobile and then Google comes out with this. Um, <laughs> this is just incredible. And like the UX is the thing that really impressed me. Like the... Um, well, it was like pretty ne- low bar before. It was awful <laughs> in the last version. But. Well, this could be, be a brand new product, uh, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, it's amazing that like you need competition in this space, and it's great to see somebody come out with something this great for their V1 of their relaunch. Also, their exposure adjustments got a lot better. I want to do a blog post reviewing all of the different app exposure slider settings because i think it's such a good measure of how good a processing um app is i mean if you look at what the photos app because now there's the new apple photos app as well this came out this week and if you just drag the light slider up which is meant to be their exposure it is not very nice it does like just look at what visco or snapseed are doing and that's what exposure is supposed to look like when it gets brighter. They did a great job. I think, I think the Snapseed one is new because it looks beautiful, looks perfect. And um, Lightroom also does it great, um, but so many apps do it really, really badly, especially Apple. So, can you tell me about your workflow with using Snapseed? Yeah, well, I don't have one yet because this new one just came out. What all I would use it for previously is to fix selective exposure if something was kind of weird so usually it would be skin like if you know somebody's legs looked way darker than their arms or um something was oversaturated or under or whatever it was like just i would add one little adjustment spot to fix selective problems uh the way i'll probably use it now and then what was i using for healing before i don't even remember it's the one from um the like auto desk app but so now what I'll do is import into Snapseed, fix anything that. So you're just shooting with the the iPhone camera. Yeah, exactly. I just let I just let the JPEG get c- compressed a few times. Yeah, and if I'm shooting with a real camera, I'll do those things in Photoshop because Photoshop is still much better, of course. But sometimes you just need to like take take a zit out or you know. Straight the line. <laughs> Have you heard any word from Kirk about the uh, Mastin Labs? Oh, uh, the, the much rumored Mastin Labs? No, I haven't heard anything yet. I'm still angry at those guys, by the way. Why are you angry? <laughs> I went on a rant to poor Cameron about Mastin. Yeah. I, but I'm a, <laughs> using Cameron's words, I'm a Luddite. <laughs> I need to figure it out. But it's, He's uh, like, wait a minute, there's only like 
three options. What's going on? <laughs> I, I paid $120 for three filters. What the fuck? Next time I'm going to get some teenagers on this show. <laughs> some relevant people. <laughs> no, you guys have been very relevant. Thank you. Uh, thank you for coming on. Cool. Oh, and Tyler. next week is going to be a either very exciting or boring episode, depending if you're interested or vi- in video or not. I'm going to be in Vegas at NAB and we'll be talking all about the announcements that come out of that. So video cameras, there'll be some lens talk, but a lot of new things and the conversation will be focused on video. So if you hate that, don't tune in, but um, I'm really excited. There's also NMX at the same time, which is the new media expo focused on blogging and podcasting. And I'll be checking that out as well. So cool. yeah, it'll well, be I'm really awesome. curious about that black magic pocket jammy. Oh yeah. I'm, I want them to announce a new one. We'll see. Anyway. Let's see. All right. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Great. Thanks for having me.